Proverbs 17, uh, 24, and it says this, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool, so I didn't call you a fool, okay? But a fool starts off in many directions. That's what the Bible says. I'll say it one more time. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful and we're thankful today. God, thank you for this time and space that we get to share together. Lord, I thank you that you have brought all of us here today for this moment, God, at this hour, at this time. And we're so grateful for that. God, it means that, Lord, you're, you're, being, in, you're being intentional because there's something specific that you want to say to us. And so, Lord, because that's true, God, give us eyes to see what it is that you're showing us. Lord, give us ears to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, we need you. And we just say this as your servants, Lord. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, come on. Everybody said. Amen. And amen. You know, there there are just... um, there's just a few cities, family, that are, are more, there are some cities that are more difficult to drive in than others. And I'm sure if you've traveled at any bit, you recognize that. For example, anybody been to Atlanta lately? I know we got Atlanta in the house, right? And Atlanta is just one of those cities that it's just not easy to drive. I remember one time we were in town for a wedding and uh, we, we decided, this is before the new uh, field, I forget the name of the new field, but this is when they were still playing at, at uh, Turner Field. And where we were staying was not too far from the field, so I had never been to a major league game. So I'm like, yo, let's go check out the Braves. And it was only, it was like no more than I think maybe five miles or something like that. Family, it took us two and a half hours to get there. And we thought it was an accident, but it wasn't. It was just traffic and then the additional traffic because people trying to get to the game. And so we got to the game. I was like, don't take me out to the ballpark. Take me away from the ballpark. In fact, we left early because I'm like, I'm not about to sit in that traffic Again, so we got there late, but then left early, and I said, that's enough. I can't, I can't do it. Then you have to be going, you have to go at least 90 on 285, or you're just going to cause an accident because that's just how to get down in Atlanta. Just stress, lots of stress. Just, I mean, like two and a half hours to go this distance. But look, I can't just put Atlanta in that mix. Right here in good old Huntsville, Alabama. Come on now friend of mine who actually lives in Atlanta, sometimes we'll be on the phone and he'll say, okay, here's today's episode of Michael versus Huntsville Drivers, you know. (laughs) But you try to get on and off that parkway, right? You talk about trying to walk in the fruit of the spirit at that point because you know you're you're trying to get off. They're trying to get on. It's just craziness, but it stresses you out. But this summer, family, we went to Dallas. Yep. And I grew up in Texas, but, you know, it was, it was El Paso. El Paso's much different uh, than Dallas. So this, and it had been years, so this is my first time back in Dallas or back in Texas uh, in a very long time. 
you know, you always hear everything's bigger in Texas, and we get to Texas, and I'm like, yes, everything is bigger in Texas, but really for no reason. Like, why, why does that need to be that big? That doesn't make any sense. Like, like talk about the, the, the bridges, the overpasses. Why are they like 10,000 feet in the air? Have you noticed that? Have you been? Like, I don't understand. It's like, are we driving or flying? Like, it, it just doesn't make any, any sense. And I remember when we got up on one, I remember the kids going, ooh, it's Hot Wheels. I'm like, yes, this does look, it does look like a Hot Wheels track. But driving on the ramps, driving on those overpasses, the bridges, those were the easy parts. The, the, the difficult part was we were trying to go to Waco, you know, to do the whole uh, Magnolia thing. And it's plugging in the address into Apple Maps and trying to figure out which direction to go. Like, I just, I just need a few options. I don't know if, if you guys are like this, like, if you, if you have this experience when you put your destination in and it gives you all the different ways to go. Well, because everything is bigger in Texas, there's just more ways to go. I, I think Siri even told me, hey, bro, you're just going to have to figure this one out. <laughs> just stressing, stressing me out. But that whole thing about stress, stressing me out, that scripture that we opened up with, it says an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions when there's just so many options, so much going on. We're getting pulled on from every direction. Family, it, it puts us in a place of stress. And the reality is, I think that's how many of us are living life right now. We're being pulled in so many directions. One minute we have this idea, the next minute we're on to a new idea. Then we're right back to the original idea, only left to be confused. And so for many of us, instead of living a blessed life, we found our ways live, ourselves living a stressed life. And so today, I want to take some time to identify just what stress brings, but also how we can overcome, how we can find a solution to the stress that we're living in. So if you're taking notes today, you can title this conversation, Help, My Life Has Me Stressed Out. Help, (laughs) My Life Has Me Stressed Out. So listen, family, stress, we, we were there. If we weren't there, we wouldn't be having this conversation because remember, this is what you all said, let's talk about. But we're stressed. So many, you don't need me to tell you that because we're all living in it. And it's for many reasons. When you look at the world and all what's going on, it's easy to see why so many are stressed out. You have the always crazy political climate, and that's only going to intensify as we get closer and closer to 2024. Gas prices, they're not going down. Interest rates do not seem, excuse me, interest rates are not dropping. Inflation is high. There's always the the, the racial and social tensions that are always around the corner. And just the day-to-day response, just just getting up in the morning and heading into the office, right? Just the day-to-day responsibility of taking care of you and taking care of your family, we all deal with stress. In fact, some stats on stress, according to the American Psychological Association, says that 55% of Americans say they are dealing with stress, and that's compared to the global average of 35%. So we're way, as Americans, we're far more stressed out than those around the world. 
Now, that number is not just for those who you may say, okay, that's for the ones who are trying to figure out how to pay their kids college. That's just for the ones who are wondering if they ha- what's happening to their 401k uh, in this market. No, family, it's actually that, that, that those numbers are actually higher in younger demographics. In the 18 to 34-year-old demographic, they are experiencing more stress than any other group. So what am I saying today? I'm saying this, and what's apparent to all of us is that we need a solution because stress is running rampant, but we were not called to live this way because here's the truth. When stress is, is there and active in our lives, bad habits are going to exist because stress will cause you to live outside of purpose. Stress will cause you to make decisions that you wouldn't normally make. And as you consistently make those decisions, those decisions are just not a, momentar- a momentarily thing, something you do in a moment, but then they become your habits, which, which will uh, eventually derail your destiny. And so here are just a few things. And so what I want to do, I want to state the issue with stress. And then before we finish up this morning, we're going to talk about what is the solution to overcome. But here's the one problem with stress. Stress decreases your ability to resist. There's a quote that I've used here often. It's by Corey Ten Boom that says this, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And oftentimes our stress comes because we're so busy. So you may, your aim is to live well. Your aim is to serve well. And you're doing all these things, but you're so busy that eventually you start making decisions that you wouldn't normally make because you're tired. Have you noticed that you make the worst decisions when you're tired? It's midnight. I should go to bed. But that one piece of cake, (laughs) right? We make our, our worst decisions when we're tired. You're up late. You don't normally visit that site, but you found yourself on that site, right? You're up late. You say you wouldn't do that again, but you found yourself doing that again. When, when you're tired, you don't make your best decisions. When you're tired, your ability to make the right decision decreases and your probability of making the wrong decision increases. Look at Luke 21, verse 34. It says this, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. So just stop right there. He's saying, be careful, right? Slow down. Get some rest. Because if not, your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Meaning if you're not living life to the right rhythm before you know it, you're going to find yourself in the trap of drunkenness, of anxieties. So we have to be careful. And sometimes we think we can mask it with a Red Bull. Sometimes we think we can mask it with some coffee. But listen, you don't need more coffee. You need more sleep. Right? Stress decreases your ability to resist. Here's another thing that stress does. Stress causes you to become an emotional roller coaster. 
So our three-year-old, Lord, have mercy. Our three-year-old. It is so funny. Listen, <laughs> am I, am I, I'm probably talking too much right now. But it is so funny watching Katie and Zoe. They be going at it like grown women. And I'll be in the other room like, I'm going to have to go break this up. <laughs> it gets me because she be talking to her like she grow. I told you to go. Well, you didn't say. And I'm like, who else is in the house? <laughs> but, it's, but then in the next moment, out of nowhere, Zoe goes, I love you, mommy. And it's like, Lord, like y'all here. And then like y'all all over the place. Now. It's okay because a three-year-old is learning, right? They're, they're, they're learning how to behave. They're learning how to respond. And so those are things you expect from a three-year-old, except when you're in the store and people looking at you when a three-year-old act like a three-year-old. I'm like, can I help you? <laughs> That's how a three-year-old acts. But the problem is, is when the 43-year-old acts like the 3-year-old. But that's what stress does. Stress causes you to become an emotional roller coaster. It causes us to live and act inconsistent. One moment we're up, the next moment we're down to the point that people don't even know how to approach us. They say, I don't know which Michael I'm going to get today. Not even just today, I don't know which one I'm going to get in this moment. So you stepping into the office and people don't even know, like, hey, how they, they all right? How they, how they doing? Can we, can we say good morning today? Are we speaking today? What are we doing? Because they don't know what to get. Why? Because we're stressed out. And because we're living all the way up here, stress all the way up to our eyeballs. That we're an emotional roller coaster. We're just like the wind. We're tossed all over the place. Look what Proverbs 15, 18 says. Hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings peace. We're living too fast. And we become hot tempered. The smallest of things will throw us off. The smallest of things gets us off. I noticed that in my own life. Like, why did I get so upset about that? That was nothing. Why, why did I make such a big deal and blow that up? Could it be? Because you're stressed and it causes arguments. Instead of being able to have patience and be settled in the moment and to be able to approach the situation in the right way. And when we live stressed out and when we live as an emotional roller coaster family, we will ultimately find ourselves being that person that says, I'm sorry, I don't know what came over me. So we don't need to live that way. We don't want to have to have the apology. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it to come off that way. But family, when stress is prevalent, this is what happens. Here's what else stress does. Stress doesn't allow me to see purpose. Because when you live, a, when you live at a hurried pace, you lose purpose. Instead of living a purposeful life, you live a reactionary life. And so we're always reacting to everything. But we're not supposed to live in a way where we're, we're constantly reacting, but we should be responding, right? There's a difference between a response and a reaction, right? You take, for instance, if someone is calling 911 and someone is frantic on the other end, 
Well, it's that operator's job to respond to that sense of urgency, to respond to that instead of being, can you imagine you calling and they're saying, yo, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. Uh, they were, they were um, you know, in the garage and they had the saw going. And next thing I know, I walked in, I saw blood. And can you imagine if the operator's like, yeah, I don't know what you're going to do. That sound like you just ain't going to, they ain't going to make it. They ain't going to make it blood everywhere. Nope, it's too late to call us. But responding says, hey, where are they? How are they doing? Get some towels. Apply some pressure, right? Responding to the situation. But when you live at a hurried pace, we can't respond. We're only reacting. And about this hurried pace and about not being able to see purpose, can I tell you, culture is one of the main contributors to this way of thinking that moves us away from purpose. Here's one example of that. Have you noticed today, and maybe it was kicked off by 2020 because there was so much uh, dynamics in the, the job market and, and the labor force, and, and a lot of people decided to walk away from their careers and become entrepreneurs. And some of that, well, that moment was something that actually needed to propel people who probably already needed to have been in that space anyway. Others did it from cultural pressure. Everyone's an entrepreneur now. Have you noticed that? And there's nothing wrong. I'm not against that. Like, do that. But I'm just going to say this too. There's nothing wrong with a nine to five. There's nothing wrong with a career. Everyone isn't designed to be an entrepreneur. When I hear people say, I'm my own boss, I'm like, no, you're not. Are you going to buy your, buy your stuff, ship your stuff, package your stuff? You got other people you work for, right? You're not your own, but you got the wrong mindset about this. There's nothing wrong with a career. There's nothing wrong with consistency in your employment. Because I think what happens, too, it causes stress on the other end. For folks who work at a nine-to-five, it's like, oh, man, I'm not taking control of my financial whatever. It's like, no, this is the lane that God's called you in. Walk in it. If you've been called to be an entrepreneur, walk in that as well. And so because so many of us are walking and living in places and lanes that we weren't called to walk in, we're stressed out. Because perhaps that's the reason why we are stressed out is because we're busy trying to become someone that we weren't designed to be. Literally every two weeks, it's a new business. They, they get on social like, yo, I want to introduce you guys to my new uh, venture. And it's like, but weren't you just doing something two weeks ago? Now, listen, I'm not trying to hit on anybody. And I, if, I don't know anybody's situation, so don't even trip like that. My point in this is that when we're stressed out, we don't see purpose. And we begin to step in things that God never intended us to be in. Instead of living and in, in walking, following the way of Jesus and saying, Lord, what is your purpose for my life? What are your plans for my life? Because even though you walk in purpose and you walk in his plans, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult. It actually, it is going to be difficult, right? But you have the confidence and the faith to move forward because you know you're walking in that destined lane that God has called you to walk into. Look at what Proverbs 19:21 says. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So we have all kind of plans. We have all kind of ideas. We have all kind of things that we want to do. But look whose plans 
prevails, whose purpose prevails. It's the Lord's purpose. So our prayer should not be, Lord, make a way for me to do what I want to do, but instead, Lord, I only want to do what you would have me to do, and I don't want to fall in the trap of stress, of pressure that causes me to walk outside of the lane that you have called me to walk into. Be comfortable with the box, with the, excuse me, with the place that God has put you in. Don't think you have to live in a box that people want to put you in. No matter how good that box may look and how they may decorate it, how they may design it, it is a box. And it's not the place that God has intended for you to live. Just because your friend group is doing it doesn't mean that it's for you. That's good that that's for you, but that's not for me. So don't, call, don't fall victim to that. Here's another thing. Stress causes my productivity to drop. Stress causes my productivity to drop. You know, there's a lot of ideas and beliefs around multitasking, right? The ability to uh, perform multiple tasks at one time. Some say multitasking is is the ability of a very high functioning person, while others feel that multitasking is nothing more than doing multiple things not as well. Now, regardless of where you uh, fall in terms of the opinions about that, here's what's true. Our life can't be one big multitasking event. We can't find ourselves being pulled in every direction because if we're always stuck in multitask mode, then we're not living a productive life, but a frantic life. And that's the moment where our production, our productivity drops because we always find ourselves taking on one more thing, especially if you are a very high-functioning person and you have different skill set and ability, guess what? People are going to pull on that. Hey, I got this idea I was thinking you could help me with. And you got to say, oh, that's great. You had that idea, but I can't help you with it, right? You don't, you don't need one more thing, right? Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, is that God desires for us to soar without striving, Think about the picture of an eagle versus, I don't know, a pigeon. There's some differences in how a pigeon flies versus how an eagle flies. An eagle takes one flap of those wings and they just continue to soar. Not minimal energy, just continue to soar. They take one more and then they go up to another height. Meanwhile, you watch a a pigeon and they just flapping those wings like crazy, barely getting anywhere. When we find ourselves being pulled in so many directions, we're we're living like a pigeon. Instead of living like an eagle. And God wants us to soar without striving. You look at, the, you look at Jesus. He never, he, he, you, you never see in scripture where Jesus was striving for anything. He was only being led by the spirit. Even when his friend John, excuse me, uh, Lazarus in John. The story, the account is, is in John. But when Lazarus died. And Lazarus' uh, sisters got word to Jesus. It was like, yo, the one you love, your best friend, he is sick. And then ultimately end up dying because Jesus stayed where he was for four days. He didn't lose it. Meaning, my point in this, he didn't even allow that situation to dictate his response. Because he knew that that sickness wasn't going to end in death, but was going to end for the glory of God. So in other words, he was saying, I'm not allowing outside 
pressure to put me in a state that I wasn't designed to live in, that I'm going to walk in the way that the Lord, that God has ordained for me to walk. And what some of us do, we allow outside pressure because you're good at that. You have that skill set. You have that ability. What a great cause this is. What a great mission this is. This is why you should be a part of it. But then we have to be able to step back and have the discernment that says, but is this what God has called me to do? Because soaring without striving always comes down to pace. At what pace are we living life? Busyness can't be a badge of honor. But culture tells us it is. I was picking up our uh, boys from from, uh, after school care a couple weeks ago. And I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen in a while. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? I said, oh, uh, I say, how are you doing? And their response was, oh, man, just busy. Busy. I'm busy. I'm just busy. And I was looking at them like, so what you think I am? <laughs> Isn't everybody busy? I asked, how are you? But busyness has become a way to describe even that, just how we are. I didn't, I didn't ask what you're up to. I didn't ask what you're doing. Like, yes, that, that's cool to tell me. But when busyness becomes an identifier of just our state and function of life, then we have reached a place where we are living at the wrong pace. Because, listen, as long as we keep saying yes to the demands, the demands will continue to come because they know where they can find a yes. Right? Oh, I know they're going to say yes. It's like your kids, they know, okay, mommy going to say yes, daddy going to say no. And so the demands are going to keep going to mommy. And the more demands there are, the more hurried your life is, and the more hurried your life is, the more mistakes we'll eventually make. Proverbs 19.2 says this, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. Driving, trying to get, look, if you late, you're late. Because you already know, you're going to get stopped by that light that you never get stopped by. And you know what happened? You're going to make it to that light and guess the person you pass pulling up right next beside you. You'll be so mad, you don't even want to look at them. You try to even, I get, they, they sped up, you know, that's how they caught up. You're not going to, you late, it's okay. Put the call in, hey, we'll be a little bit late. So the point is not that we can't say yes, but it's understanding when to say yes. That's why it's important to live with principles, with values, because you can always go back. Is this something that I value? Is this a principle in my life? That's why as a church, we have value. So there are a lot of great things that a church can do, but is this a value of the house? Is this the culture of the house? Here's what else stress does. We're going to get to the solution soon. Stress creates distance with God. Stress creates distance with God. Look, stress will make you feel that God is distant. And it does that because there's a connection issue. There's a connectivity issue. But listen, God isn't distant. We're distracted. So because we're busy, because we're living at a hurried pace, it's not about that God is distant, but more about we're distracted, that we can't see what's already there. If you got kids or maybe younger siblings or cousins, nieces, nephews, whatever, 
You ever been on the phone trying to have a conversation that you really needed to have? In our house, it always happens like maybe it's a Friday night. We're ordering pizza. And it's Katie's on the phone. We're in the car. We're ordering it so it can arrive by the time we pull up. And that's the moment they get the loudest. <laughs> and the person's like, ma'am, I can't, ma'am, because I hear it. And Katie's repeating it. Like, I'm, I'm, we're going to have five large pizzas showing up to the house. <laughs> but it's not that that person and the connection isn't right. It's you're distracted so you can't, you can't hear. And that's the same way, that's the same thing that busyness does, that living at the wrong pace that produces stress does. It's not that God is not there. It's not that he's not present. No, we're distracted because of all the noise around us that makes you stressed out. So what is it in our life that we need to turn the noise down, turn the volume down that's causing stress that's ultimately becoming a distraction from us being close to God. Because God doesn't want the distance. That's why James 4.8, it tells us, come near to God and he will come near to you. So he doesn't want the distance. He's not trying to figure out how can I create separation between me and Michael today. He's saying, oh man, I wish, God, I wish Michael would eliminate the distractions so that he can be closer to me. There's so much I want to tell him. There's so much I want to point him to. There's so much revelation I have. Oh, if he would just get rid and limit the stress in his life so he can hear my voice with clarity. Because busyness doesn't draw us toward God, but it pulls us away from him. You ever notice <laughs> Don't start wondering after this, okay? Just let my story be this story. <laughs> Y'all gonna do some self-analysis. Don't I'm just telling my story. I'll be in the store and and or just out and I'll, I'll see see one of you guys and it's like, oh Pastor Michael, so good to oh man, we just we just been on the road and we just we and, and, and the thought is that you know I'm I'm about to say where you been, I ain't seen you in like three weeks. And I'm like, no, I'm just genuinely saying hello. <laughs> it's good to see you. And, and, and yeah, so whatever. That's, that's just setting up what I'm about to say. Is that we have to make sure we are saying yes to the right things because busyness does pull us away from God. And you're saying, well, what are you saying? Is church the only way to connect to God? Of course not. But we do know this. We are a part of the body of Christ, and while we don't go to church, but we do gather as the church, and so we have to ask ourselves, like, are we okay to forfeit uh, an entire month where we haven't gathered with the body to be encouraged? Are we saying it's okay that we're not connected to a, a belong group, even if for whatever reason, you know, it falls on Sunday and it's, we're, we're traveling and we're out, but what about, what are we doing through the week so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be prayed with? And prayed for and also to serve, right? So don't allow busyness to busyness to draw us away from God. It's like when you were younger, or maybe you say this to your kids, go sit down somewhere. I feel like that's what the Lord is saying to us. Go sit down somewhere. And you said, That don't sound like scripture. <laughs> Glenn, help me out for Psalm 46:10. Be still and know that I am God. Translation 2023, go sit down somewhere. 
Because <laughs> you're busy thinking you got to do everything. But he's saying, let me, let God be God. So be still, sit down. I can take care of that issue. I can handle that problem. I see that situation. In fact, I see beyond it. I see what you don't see. But you're getting in the way because of all your busyness. Go sit down and know that I am God. So here we are. Last year, you all said that you wanted to talk about stress. And I think last year it was number one, and this year it was number one. So clearly, whatever I said last year, didn't cut it. <laughs> because you're still dealing with stress. Or dare I say this, the question isn't about how much we know, but it's about what are we doing. You know how they say, well, if you know better, then do better. So here's the check for all of us in the room that say, we're not going to have, this is not going to be one of the questions we're going to answer next year. Because it's not going to just be what we know, but it's going to be what we apply. Because here's the thing. There's a gap, right? There's the gap. The gap between the truth I know and the reality I live produces the stress I experience. So that's great. This is what I know. But here's the reality of what I'm actually applying and living. And that gap in between is what creates the stress. So we have to ask the question now, what will I do? Because it's not about what we know, but it's about what will we do? Because we all know what to do. But the question is, are we doing it? When the doctor asked me, so how's the diet? I was like, I know how the diet is. I just know my eating doesn't look like what the diet you wrote down is. Help me. So what do we have to do? We have to close that gap. In other words, we need to get back to what God said at the beginning. And what did he say at the beginning? He said this, keep the Sabbath day holy. Yes. This is the beginning of the solution. Even yesterday, Isaiah was like, we're not doing nothing today. And we said, exactly. <laughs> because Sometimes we live with the culture or this idea that we always have to be doing. We always have to go. We always have to. No, keep the Sabbath day holy. So we don't fall to the demand of pressure. Because when you live by principles, you will not die by pressure. So I knew Alabama was going to help me preach one way or another. So when you are under center, you're ready to receive that snap. Because you are applying your principles, the pressure you feel won't cause you to throw into double coverage. <laughs> but instead, you'll see that man that was clearly there, right? Now, how does that apply to life? When you live life with principles, you won't fall to the demand of pressure because you see, no, 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 that's going to take me away from my family, which is going to cause stress with my kids. No, that's going to have me out late, which is going to, that's going to take up the time where once we get the kids to bed that my wife and I normally have. Because I'm living by principles and I'm not dying by pressure. Now you say keep the Sabbath day holy. Like, come on, man, that's an Old Testament thing. 
Yeah, well, you knew I was going to have something for you if you're asking that question. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. There remains then, Hebrews is New Testament, there remains then a Sabbath rest. So in other words, it hasn't gone anywhere, right? There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So let us therefore make every Let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And I love even this idea you said, so when is the Sabbath? Is it a day? or No, he says then a Sabbath rest. So you even see the language from day to rest. Like Because as Jesus says, well, listen, Sabbath was created for man, not man for Sabbath. So whatever that is, for me, that's Friday. I try to really stick to that. So if I don't text you back on Friday, don't take it personal. I'm just pulling away from it. I didn't mean to ignore it. Now, every now and then I'll catch lunch or something like that. But for the most part, I'm like, yo, Friday, I'm out. I am, I am slowing. I'm slowing down. The kids in school, I'm like, I'm, I'm chilling. And I'm not picking them up in the Colorado line because that's, that's work. <laughs> <laughs> but but whatever, that, whatever that is. And build up to it, Right? Because when you say, well, if it's got to be a day, I, I can't get that. Somebody come help me land this plane. But he's like, I can't get a whole day. Set aside moments and build up to that. But he says we need Sabbath rest. It's God, we, uh, for anyone who enters God rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. In other words, he laid out a path for us to follow, a path for us to follow. Six and then the seventh day, he rests. Here's what that's saying in that. There's a rhythm to life. There's a beat to life. That's why, you know, people say, well, we need to try to attain balance. No, you can't. Life is not going to be balanced, right, depending on what age stage you're at. No matter what, like, there's always going to be something pulling at you more than other things that you will want it to. So it's not about trying to attain balance, but it's about trying to live life with rhythm. Whatever your favorite song is, think about it. It has a beat. And if you can dance, I can't, but if you can dance, you can catch the rhythm of it. And then it makes sense. But it's not balanced, but it has a rhythm to it. And so he goes, one, two, three, four, five, six. Ah, there's rest to it. So all he's saying is keep the Sabbath holy. So it says, I don't work so that I can rest. I rest so that I can work. Because work is not a curse, but work is a blessing. Work is an opportunity, but we have to steward it, steward it the right way when we understand we rest and then we work. So we don't work for rest, but we work from it. You ever notice when you, when you actually do get a good night's sleep, you feel so much better and so much more productive? There's a reason. So here's the solution. And these are, these are, these are what I'm going to call, you know, Jesus had the I am statements. For us, we're about to make the I will statements, okay? So we're saying... I will rest my body. So when we leave here today, this is what we're saying. To be the solution to the stress we're under, we're saying, I will rest my body. I got a question. How how are we doing at that now? Are we resting our body? Because some of us are stressed out because we aren't resting. And family, I'll be the first one to raise your hand. I do not get enough sleep. I need to go to sleep earlier. 
It's like a kid. You think I'm going to miss something. Go to bed. So that you can be productive. So that I don't walk in disobedience, as the scripture says. So I'm not telling you this because I've mastered it. I'm telling you because this is for me. We, got, we have to get sleep. There's so many benefits that sleep has. And one of the benefits of it is that it reduces stress. Look at Psalm 127, verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. But he grants sleep to those he loves. So we want to get up, we want to do everything, we want to get a head start. But in getting that head start, it's not so that you can get a head start to rest, because you're still going to stay up late. But no, he says, I grant sleep to those he loves. You know what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28? He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So I will rest my body, but here's what else I'll do. I will replenish my soul. Remember, soul is mind, will, and emotions. So the question may be, well, how do I replenish it? When you are at that point, when you find yourself not responding like yourself, you don't sound like you today. How do I get it back? How do I replenish it? First, with quietness. So that's a sub point under, I will replenish my soul. I will do it with quietness. In other words, solitude. You guys have heard me talk about that uh, different, many different times. If I love to get up in the morning, go into the office, sit in that chair, and just be quiet for a minute. And be okay with the thoughts. And have a little phrase that recenters you and bring you back to a moment of just solitude. Not making your grocery list in, in your mind. Not thinking about the day. Not thinking about your response to that email. But just feeling and practicing the presence of the Lord in that moment. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And he guides me along the right path for his namesake. So with quietness, here, here's how else we do it, with enjoyment. Some of us are so wound up. We're so tight. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're so tight. We're, we wear it on our face. So I used to have braids back in the day, and I played basketball, so I had to constantly have my hair braided so I couldn't always rock something fresh because, you know, when you sweat, you need to take it out and wash it. That's what you should do. And I would, I would do that. And so sometimes my mom had to braid my hair, and she is so heavy-handed. I promise you, like, I'll be sitting there. I think she would use her, like, to, to tie to braid my hair and I get up y'all and like my forehead be pushed up my eyebrows be stuck for some of us that's how tight we are we're walking around like that that our faces are stuck on my braids too tight face our faces are stuck on that our faces are stuck on like you smell something unpleasant from a two-year-old's diaper. So how do we how do we fix this? You gotta do something you enjoy, whatever that is. Have fun again. Come on. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Go have fun. I don't know what to do. Do something till you figure out that you like it. There's a pickleball group. Try it out. I mean, there's a run group. 
Like Tim and Jenny, I don't know how that's fun, but it's fun. <laughs> Join a group. Like for me, I like going to the gym. You may not can tell, it's because I also like eating, it's fun. But I do them together, so it works out. Especially if it's Planet Fitness, you get the donuts. But do something fun. Just go sit outside. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Didn't it feel good just to laugh? Like, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. When you're mad, it's just killing you. But smile. Laugh. Here, here's how we replenish our soul with people. Here's what I'm saying. God's plan is people. So you need people. I know they get on your nerves, but we need people. Because we can't live isolated. Our soul is replenished around people. God said that it is not good for man to be alone. That was not a statement of marriage, about marriage, but it was a statement about community. So that's why, yes, I'm going to plug it. You need to join a belong group. The directory went live last week. They kick off next week. Go search a group. If you don't see one that you want to join, then that is your call to join one next, next season. Why? Because we believe this, that life transformation happens in the context of community. And if you say, well, listen, that sounds great, but I'm too busy to join a group. Well, can I submit to you that that just may be the problem? You're too busy. Maybe you said yes to too much of the wrong things. This is a moment where you need to say yes to the right thing. Hebrews 10, 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, get in a community. So here's what we're going to do. I will rest my body. I will replenish my soul. And then lastly, I will refocus my spirit. I'm going to put Psalm 92 up on here. And this is a psalm for the Sabbath. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but look at what it says. In fact, almost as if this is my prayer for you, that, that it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. Have a moment where you just spend time praising God and thanking him simply because of who he is. Oh, most high, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Sounds like having intentionality, like the day and night collection we just finished. That in the morning... Putting my, my mind on God, not what's in front of me, but my mind on Him. And I'm doing everything out of a focus on Him. And as I lay down at night, I'm, I'm going through and thanking Him for His faithfulness. That you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. Lord, I need your anointing. I need your spirit to do, the, the, the empowerment of your spirit to do what you've called me to do. Like fresh oil, would it run down my head? The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. That we've been called to be planted. Why? So that they will flourish in the course of our God that they will still bear fruit in old age. You know, I'm getting older and older, and people have a lot of comments about that. 
But I'm like, I'm not getting older. I'm just going to continue to bear fruit. Because I'm going to make a decision to be planted in the house of the Lord so that I can flourish. And I'm going to stay fresh. And I'm going to stay green. And that's my prayer for us today. So that we can refocus our spirit. Would you pray with me today?